0: Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. I'm your guest, Trey German.
1: And we're your hosts, Stephen Craig. And Parker Doman This is episode 117. Yeah, so before we get started, we've got some announcements. Um, this week, we have the Twitter chat again, April 27th. Um, I wrote talking about blank, so I guess I don't know what I'm talking about yet on that. <laughs> You'll have to figure chat. it out. you talking about anything. Yeah, anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, usually it's PCB design, um, stuff like that. Um, so, and then the meetup for next month in May, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at MacFabHQ. Um, we're going to have Brandon Strat- Stratram Sat- from Particle. Um, he's going to give a talk about IoT fundamentals. And then we have our first Houston Hardware Happy Hour. Um, it's going to be the first Thursday of each month. So, the next one is May 3rd at Slowpokes here in Houston. So, come by, bring your hacks, drink some beer, drink some coffee, eat some food. When Tipsy Engineers, that's going to be quite the sight there. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, Troy, you are the first guest we've ever had on the podcast. I know, I just found that out. Episode
0: 10. <laughs> yeah. I was, I'm blown away by that fact. I, I'm, I'm flattered. Thank you guys for, for
1: having me again. And you're the first guest to be on the podcast three times.
0: Well, my name is Trey, which kind of means three, so it only makes sense, right? Hey.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, go check out episode 10. Episode 38, Um,
2: the podcast was a lot different back then, too, so go check those out if you haven't. Um, Actually, each Trey is also recorded in every single location that we've recorded, other than Parker's kitchen. Yeah, other than my kitchen. Yeah, so we've had four locations, and Trey's been in three of them. (laughs) You know, I get around, what can I say?
1: (laughs) So, Trey, what do you do? What what have you been doing since the last podcast? So that Um, was like... October 2016. Well, we know one thing: he hasn't died from your para flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've been a little bit
0: of of kind of all over the place, doing kind of whatever the heck I want, which is really the goal of of, of of why you know I quit my corporate job and and started doing my own thing. I really wanted freedom, and so right, uh, if you look back at these earlier podcasts. Um, You know, I had this grand plan of I was going to make these, like, little Bluetooth sensor taggy kind of deals and, you know, sell those as kind of like an open source platform for people to build software and apps on top of. And so, you know, I got the hardware and and software pretty far along. But uh, as I started thinking about that more and more and and kind of introducing it uh, to the market... um, I started to think about kind of the support burden and, and everything that goes along with running a business mm-hmm. like that. And as I thought about that more and more, it became clear to me that that was going to put me right back where I was previously mm-hmm. with yeah. my big corporate <laughs> job, right? I was going to be constantly supporting customers and, and kind of teaching them how to use the technology that I had developed. and.
1: I would have become chained down again, and mm-hmm. that's not really what I wanted to do. And it'd be even harder because at a corporation, you could just leave, and someone else will just take your spot. Right. Whereas right. here, you are. I,
0: I'm. I'm everything. Right. I'm yeah. a one man business, so I don't have anyone to really rely on. I don't have the the funds to to really hire anyone right now, um, and so you know it became clear to me that 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 wasn't really the way to go. So. You know that that's on the side; it, it's shelved. I've got all the you know the files and the hardware saved away. Um, and I started kind of thinking about, well, what do I really love? What do I you know? You're supposed to do what you love, right? So, the thing that I love doing, right, is flying. And I started thinking about, well, there's no real engineers in this field that that fly these things. I'm uniquely positioned to where I understand what these pilots need and i have the ability to make things for these pilots um i also have uh, a a great business that can fulfill you know any orders that i need and and, and make the the products uh, with MacroFab. so um i was about to say who who's that
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know i want i want those guys
0: yeah so um i started actually developing a um Uh, communications headset uh, for flying. There were some other products out there on the market. Um, Most of them actually were from companies in Europe. Mm -hmm. And these were also, you know, small operations. So uh, the first time that I did uh, the Icarus Trophy, I actually used one of the, the products from one of these companies. And it worked okay, but you know, after the fact, um, so that first time I had used a, a like a ham radio uh, for communications. This past year, I needed to step up my game and use an actual aviation radio because that was one of the issues going in and out of airports with a lot of air traffic. If you're doing that blind, you know, communication-wise. Mm-hmm. It's kind of dangerous because the airplanes, you're pretty small. You're moving really slow. Um, they're not really looking for you, and you may be looking for them, but they move really, really quickly. So you can't get out of their way or anything like y- that. You're
2: like the motorcycles of the sky. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, no, exactly. motorcycles can get out of yeah, way Yeah, yeah. So. Um, hey, yeah but no one's really looking for them, and typically they're a lot smaller. That's
1: true. Oh, yeah,
0: That's true. So yeah. um, I took this, this headset that I had bought apart and – because they... Okay, so let me rewind. The reason I took it apart is because I, I talked to the, the manufacturer and I was like, hey, can I just plug in an aviation band radio? And they're like, no. I was like, well, that seems a little odd. You know, a headset's a headset, right? Well, the reason why is because the impedance that's used for the the mics and the speakers on aviation radios and normal, normal radios, ham radios, whatever, FRS, mm-hmm. um, it, they use different impedances. And so this headset was basically completely passive. There were a few boards in there, a little amplifier to provide uh, what's called side tone, so when you push the push to talk button, you can hear yourself in the headset. Mm-hmm. Um, but very, very minimal electronics. And so the reason why you couldn't use an aviation headset with this thing was the impedances were different. So I was like, well, why don't we just like put some op amps and some, some other amplifiers in there? Some and,
1: glue logic in there.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then Analog glue logic. Yeah. yeah. While we're While we're at it, let's add Bluetooth. Let's Let's make this thing freaking sweet. Jazz Go, it up a little bit. Get yeah. that
1: kitchen sink and toss it right in. Exactly.
0: <laughs> you know, it'll fit. You know, on your ears. <laughs> so, um, what I decided to do was um, basically engineer my own headset, and so that's what I did last year. Um, so, through, uh, you know, starting around the April May time frame, I started designing this thing. Um, I made one ra- round of prototypes here. Um, and those worked pretty well. I had made some, some minor you know mistakes that I had to fix, but that's to be expected. Um, and then I, I did another revision, um, actually with screaming circuits because I needed something really really quick. Because you know after I had found all the issues, there wasn't much time left before. We were going
1: r- flying in two days. Yeah, 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 yeah basically. Yeah. I, I yeah. think
0: I had like about a week between the uh, when I placed that order and when I had to leave. So I got the boards back uh, like a day or two before I had to leave, quite literally. Um, I put these things together. They worked. Um, and then I flew this entire race with this headset last year. Um, and it it worked phenomenally. So um, that second prototype, the the main issue with it was it wasn't really... Um, easily manufacturable, right? I had taken uh, an off-the-shelf kind of industrial earmuff from mm-hmm. 3M and I had modified that. So, you know, I had taken a drill and kind of a hole saw and drilled out some plastic and, you know, mounted all the, the panel mount connectors and everything on it, which was is okay. But, you know, I'd like to be able to buy something pre-made that's, you know, pre-machined mm-hmm. with my design and all that. So... <clears throat> I started looking at some companies uh, overseas that made these, um, and I've, I've found some, and we're getting a lot closer to kind of a, a production-ready version of this headset. So I'm excited to, to kind of get that done and uh, introduce that to the market. Um, I've also been doing some interesting contract work, so we can talk about a little bit of that. Some of it's under NDA, but I can give you, give you some, some basic ideas of what I was doing. All right, let's go into that then. Okay. So um, we, uh, one of the things I had been working on was actually a um, a project with some self-driving car development tools. Um, and actually, funny story, I, I found out about this project and was in, uh, introduced to this company through Macrofab. So thank you guys for that. <laughs> <laughs> you you actually helped me uh, survive over the past year with, with business from that company. Um, and then what do you know? You know, I gave a talk here last week, and um, I actually have just picked up some more work. Uh, So that's another really cool project uh, involved.
2: You you gave a talk at the meetup, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, The MacroFab meetup here,
2: Um, which network is is networking is part of the whole. Yeah, deal. it's actually the majority so, of it. Yeah, right. it actually, it actually worked for one person. Yay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys, <laughs> you're
0: helping me, helping me pay the bills. What can I say? So um, that project, I'm, I'm really, really excited about. Um, it involves uh, what's called ion mobility spectrometry. That sounds so fancy. I don't know what it well, is. Well, the the best part of it is there's freaking high voltage involved, right? Oh,
2: okay. So we
0: have to ionize. Uh, basically, what you do. Um, Right, spectrometry. You're um, you're trying to figure out what elements are. Yeah, yeah. Molecules? What what's in something, right? Yeah, okay. Pull vacuum and I think shoot stuff. Yeah, I think that's the basic idea. So, um, in ion mobility spectrometry, you you basically have your sample that you want to analyze, and it's going to off gas some stuff or whatever, um, and you ionize that that air that has your the the molecules of the sample in it Mm -hmm. and then you accelerate it down what's called a drift tube so this drift tube has a electrostatic gradient through it so it'll accelerate the ions excuse me um it accelerates the ions toward a detector plate at the other end of the tube and so um, basically you time and you count how many ions hit this detector plate um, and that'll give you a graph that has like uh, you know time on one axis and the number of ions it detects and so you get something that looks like a, a spectra, uh, I guess a spectrograph or something mm-hmm. like that I'm not one of these physics-y kind of dudes I'm <laughs> a circuit board dude but um, you make the high voltage part yeah I get to I get to play with high voltage
2: there's some how high are we talking about like 10,000 volts yeah,
0: yeah 10 kV yeah um, nice between 3 and 10 kV um, and there's a couple Different high voltage aspects to it. So we have to have high voltage to uh, ionize the sample. We also have to have high voltage to accelerate the sample uh, towards the detector. So um, there's some some fun engineering challenges there. You know, dealing with you know generating this high voltage, clearancing everything, and and you know biasing different supplies up to these high voltages so that they don't you know arc over and
2: things like that Um, and and you want to keep those supplies typically pretty stable because if those fluctuate then your sample moves right right Mm -hmm. um so there's there's a lot of
0: interesting parts to this project that you know it's it's really fun for me as an engineer um because you know normally we're dealing with you know 3.3 volts 1.8 volts
1: 1.2 volts now
0: oh yeah so um scary so that's I, I you know I'm really excited to work on that. That's that's going to be a lot of fun, um, and then I guess other stuff. I have a giant truck and I just bought a motorcycle. So that's something. <laughs> <laughs> so this this
1: giant truck is pretty sweet. it's, I, a,
0: it's M10 what? It's an m 1085 yeah. Okay. I brought it up here to the the MacroFab meetup last week. Um, because it just seemed like a fun thing to do. We
1: talked about Jeeps and stuff, so... Yeah, yeah, Parker's got his cool Jeep,
0: trucks. and uh, I figured, you know, I, I had to bring something to the table
2: here. Yeah. Something that weighed 20,000 pounds. I mean, you can put two of my Jeeps in the back of this
1: thing. Yeah, my JK just couldn't compete with your Jeep
0: as it is now, so I, I needed to up my Jeep game. So I went, I went kind of military. So this is a... I guess it, it, it would be a 10-ton truck since it weighs 20,000 pounds, and... Um, it's a six-by-six, six, so it has six tires, and all six of them are driven. Um, it has open diffs, which is kind of shitty, but, you know, that can be be upgraded. Um, and I'll it's called them. Yeah, well, <laughs> I need to turn sometimes, Parker. <laughs> I only use ramming speed sometimes.
1: Yeah. I wonder how bad those, those big tires would scrub if you locked those diffs up. Uh, I'm sure pretty bad. I mean, it the
0: truck when I got it, the the back tires were were pretty down there. But, um, oops, sorry guys. Um, the 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 two axles in the rear, right? They're pretty close. Mm-hmm. So that front axle in the rear is definitely going to scrub more more than the back as it turns. But yeah, whatever. You know, you buy new tires, which aren't cheap. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, so uh, I'm I'm curious what what uh, what drove you to buy it? Well, actually, I had
0: a um, a friend. Uh, that had bought one of these and his plan was to turn it into uh, an expedition vehicle. So he mm-hmm. wanted to uh, mount like some type of camper box on the back and then go travel around, go off road, maybe go down to, to South America or something like that. And I was like, "Well, that's a, that's a pretty cool idea. Mm-hmm. And so I was hanging out at his shop and, and we were we decided to go drive it around one day, and he let me drive it. And I was like, "Oh man, this is this is pretty sweet. I might need one of these." And so I started looking at the auctions. Um, and you can buy these things off the internet. It's it's a site kind of like eBay, but it's called um, Gov Planet. Gov Planet. Yeah.
1: Yep. I'll put this way: after I rode in yours, I immediately went to Gov Planet. <laughs> like, I got in my Jeep and was like looking, yeah. like in my area, looking for. Yeah. I, they have some four by fours for sale here. In, yeah, yeah. In uh, there's the uh, Fort Bend area.
0: In, in Fort Ben, Yeah. Oh, wow. Four by fours, though. Um,
1: monster six by six. <laughs> yeah.
0: A lot of these, I mean, they come out of, of military bases. So um, Fort Hood over, over closer to, I think it's Austin. Austin. Yep. Um, it's
1: right off from Opaque over yep.
0: there. The, the, they'll sell them out of Fort Hood. Mine actually came out of Fort Bragg. And so I was watching these auctions, and I found one that was kind of sad looking it needed some love so the brakes didn't work on it there was a big hole in the cab where you know the turret used to be the gun used to be um and the cab was all rusted out but it ran and so i was like man i I bet i could fix this up and i bet the you know the auction it'll go for less than than most of the other ones and sure enough it's i think the cheapest m1085 that's been sold to the public um and so i shipped it here and, and started working on it and um you know, I had to rebuild a few of the uh, the air valves uh, for the brake system and replace some air lines. I had to work on the the compressor, the governor of the compressor, to, to get it to start pumping air into the tanks, right, because this has a, an air brake system. Mm-hmm. Um, and after after I did all that, the truck ran and drove just fine. And so I had like a, you know, this truck originally cost the government well over $100,000. And here I had bought it for well under ten. dollars um, mm-hmm. So I got a pretty good good deal with that
1: depreciation hurts pretty bad (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah
0: it's a a 1995 but you know it it shows 10,000 miles on the odometer okay
2: well you you weren't paying taxes at that time so you didn't actually pay for it uh this this would you've you've only purchased it once now yeah (laughs) um so you know the
0: cab was kind of Uh, rotted out we'll call it um and there was a bunch of like shell casings and things in there which was kind (laughs) of (laughs) cool but i i started looking for a way to kind of fix the things that were wrong with the cab and i found on another auction site brand spanking new um cab assemblies for this truck from like 2009 so i bought one of these once again for Pennies on what it cost the government. Um, I think I paid a little over a thousand for the cab and um, made some friends with a crane business out in Richmond. Um, How do you make friends with a crane business?
1: Well, that's bring them beer
0: it, <laughs> probably <laughs> it's It's complicated, but uh, once again, this is um, it started with my buddy because uh, he had before he bought his six by six he had had a four by four oh, and he okay. sold that to the crane business so he had already developed a relationship with these guys and he was using them to um, lift the the habitation shelter thing that he had bought onto the back of his and so i was down there one day helping out with that that swap and i was like hey guys can we be (laughs) friends too they're like uh yeah sure whatever (laughs) so i took my truck down to their yard and it was down there for probably about three weeks and um so they finally got time to swap it over yep so i I mean basically what i did is I would go down there, I'd bring a toolbox, and I'd, you know, pulled out all the wiring, disconnected all the air lines, um, unbolted all the bolts from the... Um, cab to frame. Yep, the cab to frame connection, which is, let's see, there's there's 13 bolts total that hold that thing on. <laughs> it's not much at all. Yeah,
2: that's not a lot.
0: And, um, you know, once I got to that point, we had a lifted off which was like maybe a you know a 10-15 minute operation with a a telehandler kind of forklift device and then a couple you know days later when they had the time right because they're running a business too they can't just drop everything they're doing and help me um you know it took another you know 15-20 minutes of them forking that thing onto uh the thing and spent another day or two getting everything hooked up and then drove off with it so Uh, i think
1: the most important question though is what are you designing that's going to go in that truck? Um, so, I mean, Electronics-wise.
0: Electronics-wise? I
1: mean, the whole
0: power system of the truck, right? The plan, right, is to turn this... Um, into a camper. Yeah, into a camper expedition vehicle, just kind of like my buddies. And um, he bought... Uh, kind of an off-the-shelf military shelter so everything for him was pretty much done you know he's adding some you know appliances heaters you know things like that cooking cooking things Um, whereas i don't have anything like that um the military ones that you can buy to put on the backs of these things are kind of expensive and they're they're heavy right they're made out of metal and you know there's just better ways to do it um so Mm -hmm. I'm looking at, at, at various different options. I have uh, kind of a rough design for the, um, the, the shelter on the back. Um, I'm looking at ways to actually build the shelter or, or buy something I can use as a shelter and then build it out. Uh, in terms of electronics, though, right, I want to be able to have, you know, 120 volts AC. I want to have, you know, 12-volt lighting, all that kind of jazz. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of... Uh, time and and effort put into, you know, designing kind of an off the grid uh, electrical system for this thing. Um, So the plan is to have um, solar as the the main source of energy. Um, I'd like to have a a small diesel generator um, that I can use to charge the batteries um, because the truck runs on diesel. So I've got a big supply of diesel that's already there. Um, And then we'll have a, a bank of hopefully lithium ion cells Maybe you know a bunch of eighteen six fifties do a knockoff power wall kind of deal. Find a wrecked Tesla. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is that everyone knows about the wrecked Teslas now, and and people uh, pe- uh, people know about the DIY power walls and all that. So the price of all that has kind of gone up substantially from mm-hmm. from what it used to be. Um You know, the kind of half dead laptop batteries. It seems like there's a bunch of people using those and getting good capacities out of those because you're the discharge rate that you're it's pulling low. on this thing because you've got so many cells it's, it's minuscule. Yeah. Um, and so you can get away with cells that are kind of past their prime for, mm-hmm. for laptop applications. Um, so we look, I'm looking at that, um, you know, there's companies that also make kind of pre-made uh, solutions that are, you know, new, but you're going to pay a lot more for those. Um, and then also looking at solutions for the inverter and charger and, and doing grid tie. Cause right. Ultimately sometimes this thing's going to end up in an RV park where I can plug in. Um, and it's nice to be able to just plug in and, mm-hmm. and use their power that you've already paid for.
1: You, have you calculated how much solar power you can plop on top of this thing? Um, wattage wise?
0: I think I can fit about, um, so the box is going to be about twenty feet in length. I think I can fit about six three hundred watt panels. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. So it's it's enough. Um, Almost a kilowatt. Yeah, and and that's enough. You know, with a a, a decent sized um, battery to run a, a small mini split air conditioner, um, which is kind of the big thing that I want. Right. Yeah. Sometimes you're going to be in the south. It's going to be hot, and you know if you've got a well insulated box to where you don't have to run the air conditioner all the time, um, that would enough solar to, mm-hmm. to actually run an air conditioner yeah is, I,
1: I think the biggest thing about in texas at least so it's just knocking humidity down
0: yeah <laughs> the, yeah
2: If you can get it sub 50 percent humidity
0: it it's actually pretty nice big difference, get a yeah. bunch
2: of peltier junctions and put those all over the outside mm-hmm. and the whole box will just sweat oh, but the inside go. would be really really <laughs> dry
0: well i plan to actually um seal the the box so what i'm looking at doing right now is buying um they're called van bodies so typically when you you have one of these big commercial trucks or whatever you buy the chassis and then you can pick what kind of body you want on the it back Goes on the frame yeah. be it a, a flatbed or, or one of those big box trucks and so what i want to do is get one of the the box truck kind of deals and then use um polyurethane spray foam insulation mm-hmm. to seal the interior of the box and provide you know insulation yeah, and the
1: good thing is those box trucks are aluminum Yes, bodies too. So they're light.
0: They're light. You know, it's aluminum. It's all riveted together. So you know, if you do get a dent in one of the panels, you just drill out all the rivets, slide a new sheet of aluminum in, and you just pop rivet it together, and you're you're good to go. Um, so I think there's a lot of pluses there. Um, but you know, I don't know a lot about <laughs> building these trucks, so yeah. I may be way off base. And if I am, please reach out and tell me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I, actually, I just came up with a crazy idea because how big this truck is. Mm-hmm. Just. Get a junky RV and just park the RV in the back of it. There's the whole RV. Yeah, a Winnebago <laughs> on the back of this. <laughs> there's
0: there's people that have that have actually done that. Um, so one of the there's, there's websites devoted to these surplus military trucks, and people will buy um, kind of older campers Mm -hmm. they'll take it off the 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 trailer chassis yeah and then they'll just plop it up on the bed and that's you know a perfectly legit way to do one of these things doesn't look as cool though. no it doesn't look as cool and well i mean mine isn't going to look that cool when it's done because it's going to be a freaking box truck
1: it's going to be a ups truck that's a military military ups yeah yeah that's basically what it's going (laughs) to be filled with foam with some crazy guy inside (laughs) so we'll see
0: how that all goes i you know i've i've I'm looking at different suppliers trying to talk to, to experts in the field um, and kind of figuring out if this plan works or, or, or if it will work, if it's a good idea, or if I should kind of reconsider. Um, it's not the traditional way that these things are built. Um, other people that have built these things have kind of gone uh, more custom routes. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but when you go to these more custom routes you know the price kind of starts to Going go up, up yeah. yeah if i can find a used fan body that i can throw on the back of these thing this thing you know i, I could do this a lot cheaper than if i have to it, both in terms of time and money right that's the other consideration here is if you're doing all this custom work somebody's got to do right. it Excuse me, the beer's getting to me. Um, <laughs> so somebody's got to do all this work, and, you know, I intend to put a lot of sweat equity into this, but, you know, I only have so much time, and I have to split it between, you know, clients that I have, the the business projects that I want to complete, like the headset, and, you know... Flying. Flying, building the truck, you know, hanging out with my family, you know, all that kind of stuff.
1: So the... On, on the truck, okay, yep. is how cuz you had to register this thing.
0: Oh yeah, that's yeah. another story. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Can we go into that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is going to be a weird podcast. <laughs>
0: that's all right. I'm no. always it's no, this it's is, always interesting to me. Good. Um so registration mm-hmm. on a vehicle like this. Yeah, So that,
1: especially in Texas.
0: So Texas is is friendly to these vehicles. The got pe- a lot of
1: space. Yeah, the
0: people at the so you go to your your local county tax office to do the <laughs> registration, right? Um, the people at the tax office really are we'll just call them uneducated on this subject, right? Because it's not every day that someone goes out and buys a surplus ten ton six by six military and truck and wants to drive it on the road. <laughs> and yes, exactly. Um, and so when you when you do this, it's very very good to do your research. Um, you really need to know the laws better than the people enforcing them. And you don't want to be, you know, a dick. You don't want to, you know, go in there and be like, oh, I'm right, blah, 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 blah. But you need to be firm and tell them when they're wrong that they're wrong and they need to, you know, do their research on this. Um, So I went in. um, I had several kind of printouts of of texas laws and things like that everything
1: highlighted <laughs> yeah yeah i mean
0: that's really what you got to do because yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you go in there um and they're like oh you can't register this this is you know an off-road only vehicle and it it's not it's got everything it needs to be to be on road i had gone and had it safety inspected Blinkers,
2: seatbelt, mirrors yeah um, uh, Wait, did you take it like a jiffy lube and have it inspected that's exactly what I did <laughs> oh, that's, i'm sure they looked at you strange it,
0: it took me two trips to get it safety inspected so I took it to the um the car spa in midtown which is a, a kind of super gas station i guess you could say it's got like a special car wash area they've got the normal gas station and then they've got a little garage where they do oil changes and state Mm -hmm. inspections the reason i chose that is it was the closest from my house and this thing wasn't registered so i wanted to drive it on the road the least amount possible Yep, that makes sense because if i I got pulled over and and got the wrong cop and they wanted to impound it towing that thing is a, a huge pain in the butt and you know, the tow fees on that are going to be a thousand plus dollars, plus then all the the impound fees. It's not yeah. it's not like towing a normal that car. That cop
1: would be a total dick.
0: Yeah, yeah. It also sticks out like sore thumb.
1: It, it does. It, it, if a co- I would be like, I'll just drive it to the impound place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll follow you. You follow me. Let's just skip the skip the towing. Yeah. Skip the tow truck.
0: Yeah. Um. So I, I took it up there, and and the first time. Um, the guy, you know, I showed him all the blinkers and the lights and he's like, all right, that's cool. And he went in to go enter it in the computer and he couldn't figure out how to do it. And he's like, you know, I'm sorry, man, you you can't do this here. You got to go to some special like bus and truck center to get this inspected. I'm like, um, okay. I am not sure you're correct on that, but okay. So I drove home. And then I called. I, I looked up some phone numbers on the the Texas DMV DPS websites, and I called some people. And uh, eventually, I, I talked to somebody, and he's like, "No, they should definitely be able to do that. You know, have them call me at this number, and I'll, mm-hmm. you know, talk them through it." <laughs> uh, and, and so I, I, you know, I called him up. I was like, "Hey, dude, will you, will you call these guys? They say you can do this." And he's like, "Yeah, sure." So he did that, and then I went back up, and you know, five minutes later, I had my my safety inspection. So what
1: number did he have to type into the computer then?
0: Uh well, apparently there's like a some drop down box that says "other' and then you can like type, type stuff whatever in, it is <laughs> and i I don't know if you just couldn't find it or or whatever. If he was intimidated so by they, my giant truck, you know, did
1: they type in the military destination or?
0: uh You know, I don't know. I, I don't wasn't know. wasn't seeing there. I went to their nice little waiting room and sat down. And
2: you know, uh, to be honest, I I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he was intimidated. But more in the fact that like, if they get that wrong, right, they're liable. He can get in get in trouble. Yeah, And
1: and that's not what I wanted he, to he do.
2: Selected other and just typed in
1: giant truck.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Lots sure that wheels. Not, not, <laughs> I'm not sure that would fly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, but, yeah, ultimately, I, I got it safety inspected and then, you know, went down to the, the tax office. And that was about... So, the tax office was about a four-hour uh, endeavor to get the registration title. That was quick for you. Title. Well...
2: So, wait, actually, sorry, this, this just came to mind. Do you have to pay extra for that if you go on the toll roads because it has three axles? Yes. 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 On yes. toll roads, yeah. You yeah. Do. Um Well, it yeah. depends on the toll road, I guess, yeah.
1: if they charge more for that. But...
0: Um, in terms of registration, it's interesting with these vehicles. So there's a special registration designation for former military vehicles, and you basically get to register the vehicle for a hundred bucks. But it comes with some caveats. So you can you can only drive it for um, like parades or like items of public interest or club activities. Those are the three three things that you can drive your vehicle on road for. Now, in hmm. Texas... So
2: you,
1: you created the trade German enthusiast military vehicle club? <laughs> you know, you could do Only that. Only one member. Only one member. And, <laughs> and that, that's... That's actually what a lot of
0: people do. They'll they'll go the route and do, get the former military vehicle designation. One cool thing with that is you don't have to run plates. So you can actually spray paint your, your uh, registration number, or whatever, your plate number, on the vehicle and get it inspected by a law enforcement officer. And if they sign off on it, then you don't have to run plates on your vehicle, which is kind of cool.
1: That is crazy, though. Uh, <laughs> I think you... Cops would pull you over all the time, though. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> it, it, well, you know, a lot of them, they, they know these military vehicles. It's not a Humvee, but it's, it's obvious, you know, based on the paint and everything, that this is a military vehicle.
1: Every single cop in midtown Houston mm-hmm. knows your truck yeah they, they <laughs> you're, would you're if pu- i drove I'm pushing
2: all the boundaries of like the weird vehicle laws here yeah, like yeah, every yeah. single one you're pushing <laughs> i am
0: but that's that's what makes it fun um i mean you don't drive drunk in this thing or, or anything like that because a it's freaking dangerous and b you draw a lot of uh you know attention to yourself uh but i suppose though like you would win if you got in a wreck with this thing. Oh, oh yeah. No, I'm not, not scared of wrecks at all. I I mean, I'm scared for other people. That's really the big thing, right? Cause that would, that would be, it would be worse in that So big and so tall, right. Uh, it's got a lot of freaking energy, um, enough to really do some serious damage. Um, so you got to be careful with it. You know, you have to be really, really responsible with it. It's, it's a toy, but it's a very dangerous toy, much like a paramotor, right? Um, You can really easily get yourself in trouble with it, but you can also have a lot of fun. And so it's finding that balance of of responsibility and and fun um, that's important with these things. Uh, But yeah, former military vehicle designation, um, no plates. But you didn't do that. I did not do that. And this is this is kind of where I ran into issues uh, with the uh, the tax office. They're like, you can't register it as a normal truck. I'm like, yes, I can. And they handed me this bulletin. So the the office in in uh, austin they send out these bulletins to the tax offices to mm-hmm. kind of clarify laws and things like that um and the lady read like the first paragraph of this bulletin and she had bracketed it for me to read and i was like okay and i was done fighting with them because this had been this was like two or three hours into this ordeal by now so i went home i was getting hangry i hadn't had lunch so i, I ate lunch got <laughs> Snickers bar and then I, I read through the rest of the bulletin and i was like son of a bitch because um, they hadn't read it Uh, And it very clearly stated that previously they hadn't allowed this. And that's Mm -hmm. the part that she had read. And then in the next paragraph, it's like, we've changed our policy position on this. As as long as it meets all the requirements for an on-road vehicle, um, they can register it in any vehicle class they want. So I went back and I showed them this. Did you
2: get the same person? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the same day I was like,
0: Lady, I need you to very carefully read this. She's like, okay, and then she had to call Austin again. Like she spent like a a good probably hour on the phone with Austin Mm -hmm. that day because she didn't believe that the thing that she had just handed me was true. true. (laughs) Come on, so that was really frustrating. But in the end, I got it registered as a normal passenger truck. Um, There's a category called passenger truck over one ton. Um, So it's it's a non-commercial truck. It's just I like how the designation
1: is on your truck is truck one ton.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Or over one ton. Over one ton, yeah. yeah. It's 19 tons over one ton, but it's <laughs> over one ton. Yeah, 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 for sure. But it's like one of those edge cases when you're programming, and you're just like, oh, okay, I, Ooh, I guess close so. Enough, it's close know, enough, you yeah. know. Whatever, it's greater it than. It meets the condition. Yeah, the condition. yeah, it yeah. passes,
0: so <laughs> got it registered, got it plated, um, and now I'm, I'm kind of working on getting the license for it, so because the, the payload capacity uh, of it's about you know, five tons, right? It'll carry 10,000 pounds of payload. Um, that brings a gross vehicle weight rating up to 30,000 pounds. And the cutoff for a Class C license is at 26,000 pounds. So I have to get a Class B license. So what's a cl-
1: In Texas, what's a Class B?
0: So a Class B license is um, vehicles over 26,000 pounds with a... a Towed trailer less than ten thousand. Okay, I so
2: wait, even if you never haul anything on it, you still have to get a class B. So
0: because of the way I got it titled, yes. Oh. Now, you know they have no info on this vehicle at the tax office when they do the titling, and so. I used the stock numbers from Stewart and Stevenson on payload, which is 10,000 pounds, and that puts me uh, from the the 20,000-pound empty weight up to 30,000 pounds, and that puts me into Class B territory. Now, I could have reduced the payload rating myself and just said, hey, it can only carry, let's say, 5,000 pounds. Well,
1: especially since you're putting a camper on the back. Right, right. And so you can't put 10,000 pounds of, I guess you technically could, but you could. But you, <laughs> if you put a camper on it, you're kind of saying it's a... You
2: yeah, but, but if you, if you, you fudged it and said 5,000, you'd be at right. 25,000 underneath and then I, the Class I, B. Yeah, then I could
0: yeah. use use my Class C license to drive it. Um, and so I didn't do that. I, am I regretting that now a little bit? Because my camper, it's not going to be you know over 5,000 pounds. But ultimately what I'm going to do once that that's built out and I can show proof that it, it meets the requirements of the definition of a motorhome, is I can actually retitle the vehicle as a motorhome, and that may have some insurance ramifications it may also have ramifications on where I can take the vehicle so like for instance I don't think um, the truck version the, the version that it is now um, can go like into Canada I don't think they like military vehicles up there or something like that I've read maybe I'm wrong
1: but they, they don't like trucks over one ton. Yeah. <laughs> but it, if I, I if I
0: change it into a a motorhome um, you know, they let motorhomes into Canada all the time, and you know, ultimately, I'd like to be able to take this thing up into you know, Alaska and things like that and go down south of the border. Um, and so, you know, converting it title wise, legal wise, mm-hmm. into a motorhome may have some advantages to me. So, that's Do you have to get any special licenses for motorhomes? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's all based on weight, right?
1: Okay. So, you still would have to get a Class B.
2: Well, it depends on the the, oh, yes, so the, the weight
1: the, the, that it is on paper. Load, I like that.
2: Yeah. So, so, so okay. So the class C is your Joe Schmo right. license. Normal, everyone, yeah. everyone has class truck, C, yeah. mm-hmm. and we all have to take a test to get that. Do you have to take a test for a B? Yes. So the you take basically
0: it's called the commercial rules test. So you have to study the commercial driver's license book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to take a, a driving test. It's
1: it's it, the, all the book says is everything you normally do, but pay extra attention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Watch <laughs> well, out, you're heavy. It's
2: <laughs> not.
1: It's actually, it's actually pretty involved.
0: So you you have to know a lot more rules uh, in terms of like um, cargo and like stopping distances and air brakes and uh, there's a lot more that goes into getting a commercial driver's license.
1: Because you're supposed to know more about the maintenance of your vehicle too. Because yeah. you have to do like a commercial drivers are supposed, supposed to, to do quotes, an inspection, You're right? supposed to do a walk around inspection. Right. Um, I actually do one of those on my Jeep. I did actually any vehicle I drive. I it's, do that. It's good practice. It's good practice. That. Are yeah. you missing lug nuts? Are your tires looking okay?
0: Yeah. You know, yeah. It, you know, if you don't do it, um, you know, if you just walk up to the driver's side door and get in, let's say your, your alignment was off or something like that. You, you've got some toe in, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to see the wearer on the, the passenger side tire. Um, you know, if, if you're walking around and, and doing an inspection like that, you know, you're going to catch a lot of things that you might not normally catch. You're going to see that you have a brake light out. You're going to see that you have a turn signal, um, you know, not working. And, you know, with a big vehicle like that, it's really, really important because um, you have a 20,000-pound a death machine that's <laughs> hurtling down the freeway at 60 miles an hour.
2: But but y- your intention is kind of not not to use it as a Class B Device, but right. it's, it's it's like a C plus. Yeah, in a way
0: maybe C plus plus since it's so big.
2: <laughs> Nerd <joke>. C <laughs> sharp, C Oh god, it's oh, going downhill real fast. Yep, this is
0: getting bad. <laughs> Sorry guys. <laughs> so that's my my current project, and then you know since that gets like eight miles a gallon, which is not super great. I mean, my Jeep's a bit better. Yeah. But it, you know, I, I'd like to get a little bit better gas mileage than that. So, i have just got a motorcycle, and I'm fixing that up. I guess if you average the motorcycle and that, then yeah, in between, it, you it's have a, a regular, reasonable, yeah. reasonable, normal passenger vehicle mileage, right? right? Right. Fifty
1: plus eight divided by two. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's more my Jeep. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Too bad your your motorcycle can't pull the. Truck. It has to be the other way around.
0: Yeah, we might have to change the gearing out on the motorcycle for that. <laughs> <laughs> Step it down a notch. <laughs> oh, man.
2: What, 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 uh, what motorcycle did you end up getting? So I.
0: I ended up getting a Suzuki DRZ 400S, which is a uh, a dual sport motorcycle. So I'm new to this whole motorcycle world. Um, I just like wrenching on stuff. So uh, it's um, a dual sport is basically a motorcycle that's designed to be used equally on the street and off road.
1: It's like you would call a hybrid bicycle. Yeah. Where it's kind of like a ma- in between mountain street bike. Yep, exactly.
2: Um, I-, I learned on an Enduro, a 1971 Yamaha Enduro. It's a nice, it's a fun little bike, little, little yeah. 100cc little bike. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. So um, I had some friends that recommended it to me. Um, I think the big reason is. A, it's, it's not too powerful, um, so a 400s not too big, it's not too small, so I can grow on it a little bit. It's just a little bigger than, like, a 250, right? Um, and it meets my needs in terms of, you know, A, it can go get groceries, and B, it can get out of a campsite on, you know, a dirt road. And, you know, ultimately, when I take the truck out somewhere, I'm probably gonna be on dirt somewhere because that's that's kinda of what that's this is habitat is designed for. Um and so the the bike seemed like a real good fit um to complement the truck. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's why I picked it.
1: So future projects then Trey. Future projects. Yeah. We talked a little bit about that, but um Maybe not about the truck.
0: Oh, uh, what do you mean? Future projects on the truck? Or, oh or,
2: no, not about the truck! No, not Storing about the truck! Storing the
0: motorcycle in the back of the truck. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, that's like the next level of transcendence. With
0: that, 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 that's in the plan. But um, you know, in terms of like uh, professional stuff,
1: or stuff you can talk about.
0: Um, you know, I the the ion mobility spectrometry project that's just kind of kicking off. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't tell you what we're analyzing, but it's a really really fun. Um, you know, thing that's that's near and dear to my heart.
2: <laughs> hey, about the uh, the the headsets. Yep. Uh, are you going to make those available for people to see, to play with, maybe to purchase?
0: Yeah, yeah. So the plan with that is is to finish getting these production prototypes done. So I've got a new spin of the board, basically. The only thing I'm really changing is, is fitting it to, to match this new uh, enclosure. Um, and then I'm looking at uh, different sales avenues uh, for that product. So um, the uh, offshore company that builds the actual you know shells and, and hardware yeah. for the headset, um, I found actually another business here in the U.S. that imports these same products and rebrands them and markets them and has a... a Pretty decent-sized business um, to the point where they've been um, like a sponsor on some of uh, uh, Motor Trend, Motor Trend stuff. Hmm. Um, so they've they've got pretty good clout there, and I'm thinking that. Right. I'm, I'm a small guy. I don't want to deal with sales and distribution and, and the individual customers of these products. Maybe I can, you know, partner with, with this guy um, in order to leverage him kind of as a, a sales and distribution and marketing channel, right? Mm-hmm. He's already got all that set up. Um, you know, that would be, I think, a, a great win-win kind of scenario to where I can continue to focus on development of products and then products that are in that kind of same vein, the headsets and, and, and audio devices, I could sell through that channel if I, mm-hmm. you know, we can come to some uh, agreement. Um, and I think that would be, you know, mutually beneficial, right? He makes money, I make money, he, you know, gets a new product, I get to sell my product. It's, uh, I think it's a good thing. So um, I want to get the product a little bit further along to where I have, you uh, something that's pretty much turnkey, ready to go that I, I can, I can show him before I start negotiating, um, uh, for what that would look like, what that relationship would look like. But I think there's, there's a lot of potential there. And I think that's, that's something that's important for, um, small business owners to, to kind of think about is right. You only have so much time and resources yeah. available yourself. And so, it's, it's okay to work with other people. It's a good thing to, to you know, look for help and creative ways to kind of get your product out there. And, mm-hmm. you know, at first I was a little intimidated by this. I saw this as, as competition. Um, but then as I thought about it more, I was like, it doesn't have to be a competition. I've got something that he doesn't have that can really complement his portfolio. Mm-hmm. Why not? Why not work together? And so I, I think it's important to kind of think about things that way. Um, don't look at the the negatives, right? It could be could be negative. Maybe he is a competitor, but it, it could be positive. And, and I think you want to uh, pursue those positive avenues instead of uh, the kind of negative negative things that you think about, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, well, and, and like you said. <clears throat> you kind of made it clear that there's there's certain aspects of the business that you just don't really even want to touch. Right. And 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 if he's willing to cover all of that? Yeah. There you know it's huge. The, it's huge. Yeah, like <laughs> there's there's a lot of money that you could be willing to forfeit just to be to have that taken right, care of. Right. Mm-hmm. I Which mean, is totally fine.
0: If I if I simply have to place an order here with Macrofab and then fulfill a single large quantity order to, you know, a distributor or something like that that alleviates a huge amount of headaches and you know it frees up a lot of time for me to do the things that i want and to have that freedom um that i originally quit my job for right and and so i think that's that's really the way to go and i'm hoping it works out but uh You know, you just got to you got to keep on pushing, Um, you know, quitting my job and starting a business and all this and trying to make ends meet and pay the bills and all that. It's not been easy. Um, You know, sometimes I I probably sound pretty chipper and happy and all that. But there's some some darker sides to this, too, that you guys don't see and you don't hear about. but it's important to stay positive and, and to just keep pushing through all that. Keep looking at these positives. Keep doing what you love. That's that's you know really what this is all about.
2: Mm-hmm. So Trey, where can oh you got something? I was just about to say if you love twenty thousand pound trucks, just buy it. Keep, keep Go Buy it. one. Keep yeah. doing it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> F- fight your state's laws to drive it on the road. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fight the power. <laughs> um. So yeah, Trey. Right. You want
1: uh, where can people find more about you? Um, so I've got a Twitter that sometimes I
0: send like angry messages to companies when they piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's mostly what Twitter gets used for to like retweet MacroFab when they say I'm coming over here. I don't really tweet a lot. A lot. Um, my website Polymorphic Labs probably needs an update.
1: I think actually the main site's down.
0: Is it? Yeah. Uh, the DNS may need to be my my webmaster's been moving some stuff around, so maybe I need to spend some time on that but um the polymorphic lab's website needs an update to really reflect kind of the contract engineering services that I'm doing um but then I also have a uh, a personal website which is TreyGerman.com. So vain. Oh my God. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking about rebranding that. So I just bought a new domain. I'll, I'll keep it a secret for now. Um, but, uh, yeah, you can go to com and, um, sometimes I post, uh, info and stories about what I'm doing, things I've done, flying, glubinny glabins, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of a general stream of consciousness output of Trey. So if you want to download some of that, you can, um, Excuse me, I've got a YouTube channel, but I don't make too many videos. I don't know. I need to get more on this this social media stuff, but
2: whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, and to ping it one more time, go back and listen to episode ten and episode number thirty eight, where Trey joined us. And long ago, yeah, the audio mm-hmm. quality of those are really weird too. Yeah, you can see how we've evolved. It may be forward or backwards. forward Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I think the audio quality is worse. <laughs> <laughs> or I think it's actually I've just gotten worse. Yeah, you, you know, you, your your fidelity has just dropped <laughs> yeah, in the last exactly, two years. Two years.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um. You know, I had something, but I don't remember anymore. So I guess we'll just have Trey sign us out. Well, that was the MacroFab Engineering Podcast.
0: I'm your guest, Trey German. And we're your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take
1: it easy. Bye-bye. Thank you, Yes You Are a Listener, for downloading our show. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, or you want Trey German to work on something... Uh, tweet us at MacroFab or email us at podcast at MacroFab.com and we can get your information right over the tray. Also, check out our Slack channel, which we'll be talking more about the subject that we talked about today. And if you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, click that subscribe button. That way you get the latest Met episode right when it releases. And please review us wherever you listen as it helps the show stay visible and helps new listeners find us.
0: You're getting better.